0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keen On, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, uh, January the 20th, 2023, end of the week. And um, what we do on Keen On at the end of the week is talk to my Good friend, Keith Tier, just down the San Francisco Peninsula about This Week in Technology. Looking at the headlines today, uh, New York Times are leading with Google's decision to cut 10, 12,000 jobs. Fortunately, one of those jobs isn't my wife's. Uh, the Times is claiming that this round of tech layoffs is generational. Um, It's shocking young workers, but older people are treating it as being quite normal. The Google cutting of 12,000 jobs, I mean, it's alphabet cutting, but Alphabet's really Google, might reflect the other big news story of the week, which is the continual rise of uh, chat GPT. And uh, it's challenge in an odd way to the Google search engine.
1: Keith, what do you make of the Google news? I I think it's mostly driven by Wall Street. Um, You know, Wall Street is really, really good at controlling uh, the companies that are listed on its exchanges. And if you look at the last couple of weeks, Amazon laid off 18,000, Microsoft 10,000 or 12,000, was it yesterday? Google Um, uh, 12,000. It's it's all over the map. Everyone's doing layoffs. And it's almost like if you don't, your stock's going to get punished. So it doesn't. It isn't really a scientific assessment of how many people do you need for your business. It's uh, show show Wall Street that you can do a ten percent cut or a five percent cut. That you know it has to be a certain percent within a range. Otherwise, your stock gets hammered. So I, I suspect it is not correlated to the Chat GPT stuff. I think that the impact. on armbells,
0: I'm is- though. I mean, one of the things that. Um- the, the tire, An interesting Times piece about Google suggested is that the alarm bells are off at Google. For the first time, they're being challenged. They've dominated search for more than 20 years, really 25 years. They've yeah. monopolized it, you know, using that word carefully, in a non-legal sense. And suddenly there's something on the horizon that might challenge it. Is that fair?
1: That's more than fair. Um, I, I, I think Chat GPT uh, with all its flaws, has shown an entirely new paradigm that sits between human beings and the world of information. And it's a better paradigm. It's it's easier to use. It is much more efficient at getting you to the content that you're looking for in a way, in, in a form that you can use it. So it reduces the amount of work you have to do uh, to pass the results. Um, so it, it it's a huge... Shift in in um, where human beings are likely to put their effort, and what Google has owned for the last 25 years is our effort. We we've, we we typed and it rode
0: off that effort, didn't it? Because it it rode off the links. We did all the the digging on the internet, the heavy lifting, and it simply appropriated those links to build its own smart engine.
1: Yeah, and look, Larry and Sergey are super smart people. Um, I, I suspect they're. Their life um, is a lot more balanced these days than it was when they started. So they may not be obsessively focused on this in the same way they were when they were younger. But they did call a meeting internally in December about Chat GPT and uh, are saying that they're going to introduce into Google search a spoken or, or typed interface that is GPT like. I I suspect that might not be enough. I think this is a, this is a, you know, this is a Christensen moment where you you really have to eat
0: Innovator's dilemma. We can use the E-word. We use the the E-word existential threat. Is it more, uh, is chat GPT and its technology more of a threat to Google than the upcoming Supreme Court case around section 230?
1: Well, then, They're both threats in different ways. Um, I'm I'm very sympathetic to Google on Section 230 personally. Uh, I I do not think as an indexer, Google should be held to account for the content it indexes. Um, So I like Section 230 because it gives them the ability uh, to not have to edit everything. Um, I do think that um, uh, the Supreme Court case, therefore, is... um, It's going to impact everybody, depending on which way it goes. Uh, On the other hand, the chat GPT stuff is a life or death uh, of of human... It's long term, though. I mean, you're
0: an old Marxist, Keith, so you know that history repeats itself. Um, Is Google now suddenly AltaVista in the same way as Google made
1: Microsoft IBM? I'd say Google's more Yahoo than AltaVista. Yahoo was a handcrafted directory before search and you could search the handcrafted directory. Google was an automated directory based on link counts so it was a paradigm shift um, and, and therefore could index everything whereas Yahoo could only index what human beings were prepared to to, it, to uh, curate if you will. I think ChatGTP represents um, a total different paradigm in the same way Google did to Yahoo. AltaVista was just like Google but wasn't, uh, hadn't figured out link counting. Other than that, it was, it was the same.
0: Steve who doesn't run Microsoft anymore though, uh, and and all the old, the old hands at Microsoft, including Bill Gates. They must be enjoying this one, especially given the fact that they are the principal investor in in open AI. And their, their chat GPT is operating off the Microsoft Azure platform
1: yeah I mean, it's to me that's uh, uh, very close to home and personal. I mean, Microsoft has a history of trying to build a search engine. Um, uh, they They tried to engage uh, when they invested in my company real names, they did it because they thought direct navigation might be better than search. Now they're doing it with Chat GPT in a structure that's remarkably similar uh, architecture at least. And they hope that Chat GPT will infect, or be embedded in, you know, Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, uh, all of the cloud platforms, and I think it will. I think that this is a good bet by Microsoft. So, um, will it make?
0: Will it make Bing, which was a copycat of Google, will it make Bing
1: redundant? I I wouldn't credit Microsoft with being clever enough to answer that as a yes. It should make Bing redundant. But because they are so emotionally committed to Bing, they're probably going to do exactly... And not
0: just emotionally. I mean, how many billions of dollars have they poured into that thing?
1: They've put a lot of money in. So I think just like Google, they're going to try to create a hybrid Bing with chat GPT-like features and not replace the one with the other. Um, possibly over time, the balance will shift to the chat GPT. And maybe that's smart. That could be the right thing to do. My innovator chop says, "Just kill search and launch the new thing right away," and that's right, what sample. we may
0: even come up with a new word rather than search. It should be intelligence. Um, your 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 newsletter this week, an excellent newsletter, which everyone should sign up for. Uh, that was the week um, is entitled "Dawning of a New Era." It's not just about AI. Also, Apple is attempting to. Birth a new era with their their speculative headset. Tell me about this, Keith. Apple's new reality. It's not really traditional VR, is it?
1: no, it it's it's enhanced. it's It's basically a mixed reality, which means that it has front-facing cameras that bring the outside in. So you feel as if you're still in the world uh, that you're that you're sitting in. But it's enhanced by being able to layer things on top of it um, or alongside of it. So, you know, if you think about, if you think about walking into a supermarket and seeing the prices digitally placed in front of the products, that might be a, a, an example of mixed reality. Um, and, and Apple, of course, is a fantastic engineering company. This is this will be using leading-edge engineering in terms of the visuals. It's the first time Apple has addressed the eyes um, as opposed to the ears or the mouth uh, of a human being. Um, The the nearest it got was building a screen, which is what I'm using now, but that is nothing innovative about that. This is trying to figure out software for the eyes. Uh, Yeah, I mean, would it be fair to say, Keith, that
0: Apple, who who know more than anyone about all this stuff, are trying to... Enter our bodies, and if they can get inside us without us recognizing that, then they really will own. They already pretty much own tech, but then they
1: truly will own the world. Well, they, I don't know about inside us, but they, they want to enhance what is human. Uh, at the core, Apple is at the core a humanistic company that um, you know, militantly tries to figure out software that humans can use. To yeah, enhance- but it's aug- but, it, but but wouldn't I mean this div this clear division between human beings and
0: tech is and computers is and robots and AI has gone away, and that this kind of device is yeah. augmenting humans, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the idea yeah. that we there'll be a human world and a computer world is a is a historical.
1: I agree uh, with that. Yeah, although there will be you know like if there's an Apple Car, and we don't know if there will be. I'm a bit of a skeptic but let's say they do produce an apple car then they're removing the need for legs you know everything they do takes a human attribute and give and makes something better the, the uh, uh, which is what innovation is really about right that's that is progress and they're just better at it than anyone else because their empathy for the human being is deeper than anyone else like Compare the metaverse of Facebook with this Apple mixed reality headset. You know, Zuckerberg says we should all go and live in a, a fake world inside our head. And Apple says, no, we should learn how to engage with the real world better. And it's, it's very astonishing,
0: different. Keith. This time last year, all you and I were talking about the metaverse. We were talking about cryptocurrency. We were talking about Web3. All those things now seem archaic. I mean, cryptos... Self-destructed. Uh, no one takes Facebook's Meta initiative very seriously. Um, uh, this time next year, will you be writing about the dawning of a different kind of new era, or do you think all this AI and Apple VR-style uh, innovation that this really is for real?
1: I, I I I think it it's for real, and it will deepen. So chat gpt is is really um, all things to all people just because of the vast amount of content it has access to that's going to go up 10x in this later this quarter i think so uh, so this time next year i think we'll be seeing chat gpt in the doctor's surgery before you go for your appointment you know it it's going to be embedded everywhere as an interface to information both giving and receiving back information in all kinds of domains of life.
0: That may be true, but then you lead uh, your newsletter this week with a, a wonderful essay by Gary Marcus, who's an old friend of the show, talking about 24 seriously embarrassing hours for AI. And Gary is one of the leading AI experts in the world. He talks about the revelation that the... Tesla self-driving demo was uh, a scam. Um, CNET uh, reviews the accuracy of AI articles. Nick Cage, the great songwriter, um, launches a massive cultural critique of Chat GPT. Is this just Luddism?
1: No, it, it, it's um, a fair reaction to the limits of the technology today. I Means CNET clearly. Somebody should get fired for, for thinking you could just... I didn't
0: even know CNET still existed. I thought that was Alta Vista. I exactly. thought
1: that ended with Alta Vista and Yahoo. It's amazing how long it takes things to die, uh, even when you think they're dead. AOL still exists, by the way. Um, so, So, yeah, no, I think it's a reasonable reaction to the limits of the technology, although he's trying to carve out a skeptical niche which I think in the long run is the wrong place to be intellectually. I think you need to be in a, in a believer niche uh, whilst being open-minded about the limits.
0: And- yeah, he's been on the show as, uh, as, as a sceptic. Uh, I've moved on from scepticism to belief, so I'm one step ahead of Gary. I'm not sure really if I am. What about this Nick Cage stuff, Keith? I mean, well, chat yeah, GPT is never going to be able to write the lyrics of Nick Cage or uh, Nick cave or Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen or the Beatles or
1: something is it no it is well it, it can try and it will do a half decent effort similar to if you asked um, I don't know a 10 year old to do it in class
0: I mean it's just imitation it's bad imitation we could get chat GPT to do this show our show yeah,
1: yeah we could its it I is... mean we do
0: a bad job in the first place so it couldn't be much worse.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely imitation and, and you know, the, the, the question at gives it clues, like you can say to ChatGPT, uh, write a four verse song in the style of Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, focused on uh, what it's like to live on social security in Atlanta with the leading role being played by a guy called George. And it, and it will do it. It just won't be as good as a creative human being who's who's uh, an artist and a poet. It's not. It, so it
0: can't think for itself. It can only it can only think on what's actually been achieved, which goes back to Ada Lovelace, the inventor of software's original premise back in the middle of the nineteenth century, that that software can't think for itself. So Chat GPT and all these new advances in AI, it doesn't change any of that, does it?
1: No, it, it really isn't artificial general intelligence. It's more like brute force. It's very clever at, 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 fil- at focusing in on the right content, but it's brute force by giving it every piece of content you possibly can. It knows everything, and it's pretty good at understanding what you're asking, and it's pretty good at retrieving stuff that's relevant to what you're asking. Uh, so it's like a, a lookup engine, Um Uh, with the ability to uh, deliver it in the style of human uh, conversation.
0: Well, let's end, Keith, with my favorite feature of That Was The Week, which is your Tweet of The Week, um, which is a particularly interesting one. uh, This by the very influential venture capitalist, Silicon Valley venture capitalist, Bill Gurley. What did
1: Bill Gurley
0: say this week?
1: Uh, he's he's latching onto a, a earnings call by a company called TSMC, which is Taiwan uh, Semiconductor Manufacturing, uh, or something like that. I can't quite remember what it what it stands for, but they make they're they're, a, they're an outsourced uh, maker of things like uh, micro, uh, you know, semiconductors and computers and all kinds of stuff like that. And and uh, in the earnings call, the guy is saying, look, we, we, globalization is over. We're now living in a nation state. Based world and with regional um, parameters, and Gurley says that uh, he, firstly he believes that's true, and secondly he thinks the U.S. is a net loser because the red tape in the U.S. Uh, uh, the bureaucracy is so deep that nothing can get done, and the U.S. can't really compete. In but it's not net. a
0: f- efficient red. It's not like red tape in Turkey.
1: No, it's or, more like Italy.
0: or Russia, which is built around. Restrictive bureaucracies. It's a sort of just an incompetent,
1: yeah, uh, almost like a surreal bureaucracy in America. Yeah. So if you if you look at what Lena Khan is doing, or if you look at what the SEC is, tries <laughs> your to do, favorite, your favorite Lena Khan. Yeah. She still or has crypto. a job. She does. Uh, or the SEC in crypto, they're just really bad at. at opening up the possibility of change. They, 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 they're fear-driven killers as opposed to innovation-driven enablers.
0: So finally, Keith, do you think like Bill Gurley that globalization is finished? And where's the evidence? I don't,
1: I, I think globalization is the ultimate end game of human society, because I, I think nation states are in danger and the, the, the deglobalization, if anything, is a symptom of weak nation states seeking self-interest on a global canvas that they don't believe they can win on. So it's a, it's weak nation states, not strong nation states. And I do believe the global citizenry over time evolves towards being a global citizen, citizenry where the benefits of the whole world are available to everyone on the planet, travel, Um, being an obvious manifestation of that but moving money around and so on and so forth uh, it it seems inane to me to see this as anything other than a short-term defensive posture by weak nation states now how do we get out of